I'm going to throw some of you for a loop. I know in the bulletin it says Revelation 2, Church of Pergamum. We're not going to do that tonight, though. Uh, Mark and I met last Tuesday, or this past Tuesday night, we met out in the Fellowship Hall, and just kind of talking through some things over the next couple of weeks, and next Sunday we have uh, communion, you know, next Sunday morning, so that'll be our service next Sunday morning. So I told him at that time, uh, I said, we'll just, we'll just walk through uh, the, the third letter to the third church, the church of uh, Pergamum. And it was almost as soon as that came out of my mouth, I thought, you know what, that's, that's not, that's not going to happen. Uh, there was just something about me that I just, I knew that wasn't going to happen. And so uh, we're going to take a different look at, at a different passage of Scripture tonight, and I'll get to that in, in just a second. But I uh, do want to take some time just to pray over our prayer list, as, as many of you know. Uh, at times that gets lengthy. It does get lengthy, but uh, that's just the reality of this life. There are many needs. Uh, there are many things going on in the lives of, of our people here. And do remember our homebound uh, of the week. Uh, remember those each week. And uh, just something we started doing at our house, Sandra actually came up with the idea, but Graham, each week, he'll write or do a card for each homebound. Uh, whoever that individual is, he'll write them a card or do a card for them and send it to them. Uh, and so a phone call, uh, anything that you could do to, to just reach out to, to our homebound, I know that would be greatly appreciated and uh, Mark and I are going to uh, tackle that uh, together, and, and Mark went and saw our homebound this past week, and so uh, I know that was great for him, and, and that was greatly appreciated. And anything that comes up, let me just go ahead and say, Mark and I were talking this afternoon, and uh, he mentioned several things. There are a lot of surgeries, a lot of procedures going on this week, and uh, to be honest with you, I only knew about one of them. And so uh, anything that, that comes up like that... Uh, we can't do anything if we don't know. And Mark and I would love to know. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, if we can get there and visit, we'd love to visit with you. Um, I tell coaches all the time, look, if you're busy and you don't want to see me, tell me to go away. You're not going to hurt my feelings, all right? If you don't want to see anybody, tell me, and you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, I completely understand that. But uh, we are here to serve you, uh, and, and that's what we're here for. Uh, so please just let us know. And Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, tonight together uh, for our intercessory time of prayer, and then we'll jump into the Word. All right? God, again, we come to you tonight thanking you uh, for this day. God, even though it's hot uh, and, and muggy outside, God, so often we take that for granted because there's going to come a time when it's below freezing, and we're going to say it's too cold. And we're going to say, God, why is it too cold? We want it to be warm again, and then when it's warm... We say it's too warm. God, help us to be grateful. God, in the best way possible, help us to be content, knowing that even the temperature, God, you hold in your hands. And God, you know every single need that each and every one of us have. And for that, I just pray that you would help us to rest in that tonight that even in the midst of chaos in some of our lives, even in the midst of, of trials and tribulations, God, help us to rest in that simple fact that you hold the very breath of life 
that we breathe in your hands. And God, so often we take that for granted. Tonight, God, we do want to lift up our church family to you. You know every single need. God, you know the hurt. You know the despair. God, you know the hopelessness. You know the lostness. God, you even know those that are on their knees every single day, day in, day out, praying for those that are hurting, praying for those that are in need. God, as we're going to look at tonight, help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us to rise up together and be the church that you've called us to be. God, because if we have a weak link, we're all weak. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And so God, tonight, we call on you, we beg you. We know that you're at work. We know that you're moving. And God, we know that eventually your perfect will is going to take place. God, open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to see your will. And as you've invited us to be a part of your work, God, help us to be obedient. Help us to be faithful. And join with the rest of our church family and begin to pray for your will to be done. God, we lift this time up to you. But I, I give back your word and, and pray that, God, through me, God, I would say nothing without the leading of your spirit. And pray as humble as I can, God, that your word would pierce and, God, your word would convict all of us to the point, to the place, God, where we desire a closer walk with you. And so, God, right now, we give you this time. Pray your, your blessings, your honor, and your glory all over it, in Christ's name. Amen. So as I said, uh, Revelation chapter 2, um, the church is something that I'm passionate about. I love talking about the church. I love talking about the purpose of the church and what I believe God has called the church to. And a lot of that we can find as we read through those seven letters to the seven churches. If you read those, those are just as much as applicable now as they were when they were written back in A.D. 90 or so. They're just as applicable now as they were then. Now, there are some letters that our church is going to associate with more than some other letters, but all of the letters, in some way or, or somehow, shape, or form, we're going to be able to apply to our own church. And so I'm excited for the next, uh, after the Lord's Supper, to be able to walk through the next five letters with you guys and and begin to talk about uh, some of these other churches. But tonight, I wanted to I wanted to, to take a step back and and us as a congregation look at our own church. Can we do that tonight together? Can we look at our own church? There there are various things that that have kind of brought me to this point and one of them was having the the guy come and speak that Sunday morning the architect, come and speak. And, and he, he, he made, it was more of a question than a statement, 
But it, it, it struck me, and, and I just I can't get it out of my mind because it's something that I've always wrestled with. He asked our church, he said, what is your purpose? Basically, what makes you tick? As a church, what is your purpose? You see, I meant what I said last week when I, when I was talking about the story of the illustration of the man who sh- shoots the arrow into the barn. And when the arrow hits the barn, he goes up to the arrow and he draws the bullseye around the arrow. So many people, so many individuals do that with their own lives. And because we do that in our own lives, guess what we tend to do in the church? We tend to do the same thing. And you know what it does? It gets us absolutely nowhere. Because the reality is, we're really not fulfilling the purpose that God has created us for. And so if we're not fulfilling the purpose that God's created us for individually, guess what? Corporately, it can't happen. We can't. Because we have no idea what that purpose is. And so, as much as I did not want to, because it's... it's now, some of you are very, you're political, you love the CNNs and the Fox Newses and, and that sort of thing, the CB, CNBC, you love that stuff. I don't even know where those channels are located, all right? Mine goes to 206 and, and stays there a lot of times, that's ESPN, that's what I love watching. But, it's, I think it's January 28th, and, and I googled it, I have to admit, I googled the State of the Union Address. All right, because I wanted to know the date. I didn't want to read it, but I wanted to know the date. And, and that day, the State of a Union Address, guess what? That evening, the only thing that you can find on just about every channel is the State of the Union Address. But what is the purpose of that? The purpose of that, to me, is supposed to be, hey, this is where we were, and this is where we're going. Right? That's the purpose of it. Now, if they accomplish that purpose, I can't really tell you because I don't watch it. I can tell you this, this past Friday at Clemson University in the athletic department, the, the president and the athletic director had a state of Clemson address. And what they did for an hour and a half is they sat down with the coaching staff at Clemson and they said, guys, athletically, here's where we were last year. But here's where we're going. And they gave the state of Clemson address. And I thought, how interesting is that? On Tuesday, I told Mark, we're going to study the Church of Pergamum. But then I knew that that just wasn't what we really needed to do. And so I thought of this State of the Union deal. And then Friday, was invited to go to this State of Clemson address. And I'm going, of course. So I want us to take an internal look into our own church. And not necessarily give you the state of the church address, but it's something that I want us to to really consider tonight and think about tonight as we look at our own church. I think as we begin to think about this idea of the state of the church and the purpose of the church, I think we have to go back to the beginning of the church, the foundation of the church. From the very beginning, the first church in Acts chapter 2. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. If you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. In the last six or seven verses there in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. And we're going to read those verses and we're going to begin to look at 
the purpose of the church. Now let me say while you're finding your place there, I I look at First Baptist and I'm not going to claim to know everything about First Baptist because I don't. All right, we've only been here a little over a year. I've known a lot of you much longer than that. But just in that short time frame, just in that one year, there are some things that I've learned about First Baptist. And I think that without, without question, as we look at our church, you, you have to say that God has His hand on our church. He has His hand on our church. The reason why I say that is because at times when, you carry on, when I carry on conversations with people, I really can't explain some of the things that happen at this church. Because it's truly an act of God. It's truly the work of God. You look at the state of our church right now, currently today, and many people would say, you know what, that church will just fold for four months. Because with their pastor gone, they have no leadership, they have no direction, they have no purpose, because their pastor's gone. I want to say that that's not so of of our church. I think without question, you have to look at our church and you have to say, God has His hand on this place. I don't think there's any question about that. Now in four months, you might say differently about Mark and myself. I don't know. I hope not. Y'all might all caravan to the airport and bring them back. I hope you do. I'm going with you. Alright? I'm going with you. But I'm telling you, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to continue to say it. You have to believe God being who He is, who He says He is, who we know He is, He has to bless this church for their faithfulness. He's going to bless you for your faithfulness. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I believe He'll bless me for my faithfulness. Because that's what He's called me to do, to be faithful. Now what does that look like? I don't know. Maybe... Just the very breath of life is what I should just be thankful for. That's enough for me. But when we look at the first church, you read about the first church and you read about Pentecost and 3,000 people accepting Christ. Listening, hearing, understanding, believing the gospel. 3,000 people were added to their family. That's what the Bible says. Could you imagine 3,000 people when the gospel is shared? How is that so? Listen, the gospel that Peter preached is no different than the gospel that you and I should be living out, preaching, and teaching every single day. But 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. The Bible says that they were baptized. And then in verse 42, 
It said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, many people tell you when you're talking about your church, and, and I had a guy one time several years ago uh, make this statement to me. I was talking about our church at the time and, and uh, how well I thought our church was doing and talking about the, the, the mission-mindedness of our church at that time and how missional I felt like our church was. And he said, okay, I, I hear you, he said, but let me see your budget. I said, do what? So let me see your budget. Said, okay. Handed him our budget. And he looked at our budget. And he said, I can tell how missional your church is by the way you give your money and what you give your money to. You know, if, if a church says that, that we are passionate about our youth and our children, is that where we give our money? Or we're passionate about homeless, is that where we give our money? Or are we passionate about the Southern Baptist Convention? I know we give a good chunk there. You see, most churches, you can tell where their heart truly lies by looking at their budget. But is that the, the true intent or purpose of the church? Being mission-minded, yes, is, is one of them. But there are more parts to the equation, to the the makeup of the church than just that. And so that's what I want to talk about uh, tonight, is that the first thing is is you begin to walk through this text right here and, and begin to break down each verse. It says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devoted. That's a key word. They devoted themselves to the teaching of God's Word. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. You see, I know that I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I get that, I understand that, because I believe that you know and understand that this walk isn't easy. That this walk with Christ is difficult at times. But you know what, there's something to be said about an individual that when they get smacked in the mouth by life, when, when something doesn't go their way, when they're hurt, when they're blindsided, when they're taken off guard, When a setback happens in life, there's something to be said about a Christian who's devoted themselves 
to the teaching of God's Word, who's devoted themselves to the fellowship of the church, who doesn't uh, put themselves in a hole, who doesn't back away and, and run away and hide, but they continue to be a part of the fellowship of the church. And there's something to be said about that individual who continues to pray, who continues to communicate with God. You see, to me, now I might be wrong, but to me, that's when your true faith is tested. That's when you really begin to separate the true Christians from the make-believe Christians. But even in the state of this church, boy, they were moving. They were moving. I mean, the Bible says that they were adding people daily. They were adding people who were accepting Christ daily. What was it about this church that they were growing in such a way that people couldn't get enough of God's Word? They couldn't get enough of one another. They couldn't get enough of their communication with God through prayer. And let's be honest, they loved to eat. So they ate together. They were devoted to the teaching of God's Word. You want to see God do an amazing work in the life of a church? I think you, you look at this passage right here. You look at this passage right here and it gives you all the tools. If God were, were giving the state of the church to our church tonight, what would He say? How would He word his speech. Would he say that First Baptist has devoted themselves to the teaching? I think so. I think so. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, the fellowship of the church. Let me just get off on a little tangent, if I may for just a second. I'm just going to say it. I don't believe that you are absolutely 100% required every time the doors are open in the church to drag yourself in the church. Okay? Now, let me say this. I do believe that if you're more than capable and the doors are open and there's a meeting, you need to be here. You should want to be here. Now, I'm not criticizing other churches that meet once a week or twice a week or five times a week. They can do whatever they want. But for me and my family and my beliefs, if there's a meeting happening, we're going to come. We're going to come. Because it's important. Because it's a priority. And also know and understand that there are other people that have prepared. Like John. 
for my son to be taught and loved on. That's important. And you know what I think? If we didn't show up, that's a smack in his face. If you want my honest opinion. Now you might be one of these and that's okay. I noticed it Wednesday night probably, and like I said, I've been here a year, but I noticed it more Wednesday night than I've ever noticed it before. But we have a meal that Miss Wanda and her crew does an incredible job on Wednesday nights. And it is beyond me. I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm on my tangent right now. But we have some people that will come and pay five bucks to eat, and they'll jump back in their car and they'll go home. I told Sandra last night, we, we had something to go to up Highway 11, and, and so we had a good long talk, and I told her, I said, Sandra, the thing that gets me is they go buy five restaurants. I, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good. All right, and it's five bucks. I get it. I understand that. But you ought to enjoy the fellowship of the church. If you don't, why are you coming? Just to eat? That's only, one, that's only one component of the, the whole equation. If I'm interpreting this right, you've got to eat to stay alive. But that's only one component. Now, don't y'all go emailing Kenny and Lynn saying Mac is going off the deep end, okay? <laughs> y'all don't do that. I, I'm just being honest with you. I'm giving you my honest assessment. I, I want our church to be healthy. I want our church to be a church that people are talking about, that people are asking about. And I want us to be able to say, you know what, it's, it's not about our pastor being gone. It's not about Mark and Mac. It's not about our choir. It's not about our children's or our youth ministry. It's about the Lord Jesus having His hand of blessing all over this place. Listen, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. As a born-again Christian, as an individual, you have to be devoted to the teaching of God's Word. You have to be devoted to the studying of God's Word. You also have to be devoted to the fellowship of a church. Listen, not having a church family is pretty much like being lost without a family. Had somebody say this morning, they, they have a, a family member that says, you know what, I don't, I don't need the church. I can go out in the woods and I can, I can spend time with God out in the woods in my deer hunting stand. And Yeah. And I can pray to God driving down the road in my car with my eyes open too. But I'm still going to be at church. Because it's important. It's important for your faith. You know, I also noticed as I kept reading in in verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Listen, you know why they were in awe? You know why miracles were being performed? You know why healing was taking place? Because they had devoted themselves to the things mentioned above. They had devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. They had devoted themselves to breaking bread with one another. They had devoted themselves to prayer. It wasn't just a casual church. 
that, you know, you just come when you want to. It wasn't a, uh, we're having this big service, this big evangelism conference, or this big revival, please come. It was they simply wanted to come because they wanted to meet with God in the presence of other Christians. That should be compelling enough. That makes sense. We should want to be here. We should want to spend time with God daily. And I believe that the reason why they saw so many converts, why they saw so many people being healed, so many people being delivered, is because these people really got it. I want our church to be that way. I want to be that way. You know, the other thing that got me about this is it went on and it said all the believers were together and had everything in common. Are you kidding me? 3,000 plus people. They started out with like 120. They added 3,000. You do the math. Everybody had everything in common. I can't get four of you in one room and we have everything in common. 3,000 plus. They had everything in common. That is an act of God. Only God can explain that one. You see, that's what I want. That's what I desire for the church. Is that those type of things happen and all we can say is, you know what? That is simply an act of God. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. That's what I want to be able to say. That's what I want people to say when they drive down the road. It's not about the congregation. It's not about the worship style. It's not about the speaker. It's about the Spirit of God moving and convicting. Then it goes on to say in verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Boy, oh boy. Would you be willing to do that? Sold out. Willing to do whatever it takes. That they even sold their property and their possessions. You see, they had the right perspective. They knew they weren't going to hitch up to a trailer when they left this world. They knew that. And they understood that, you know what, their property and possessions, it didn't belong to them anyway, it belonged to God. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, I said this earlier in my prayer. They had a selflessness about them, they had generosity all over them. You know, I look at this church, and, and even in our youth group, you, you see it all over our youth group. You see it all over every youth group. I don't like a click. I just don't like it. I don't like somebody being looked down on. Somebody not being respected for doing a job they feel like God's called them to do. If you don't like it, then do it yourself. 
or don't say anything at all. But we have that issue in our church, and that burns me. Holy cow, that burns me. It said that 3,000 plus people had everything in common. We had 201 in worship last Sunday morning, is what I saw. I think it was 201. And we're lucky to have four that have something in common. And we want God to bless our church. We want God to go with our church as we move forward. It's not going to happen. You've got to understand something. God calls the shots. And if God doesn't call the shots, we're in trouble. And I think that's what set the first church, the, the, the first church apart. Because they understood where they came from, they understood who they were, and they understood who was in charge. And that was God Himself. And they were just humble servants, willing to serve. And willing to be faithful. And it didn't matter who that leader was for that specific group. It didn't matter who that teacher was in that Sunday school class. It didn't matter who was leading WMU. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was following one course, one purpose, and that was, as a church, let's honor God. It doesn't matter your economic background. It doesn't matter the positions that you hold. Everybody is on the same page. Everybody has one purpose. Church, I think it's time for us to rally. I think it's time for us to rally around one another. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I can't do it all. And I know you can't do it all. But I'm telling you tonight, that if we rally around one another together, guess what? We'll make an incredible impact in this community. So much so that when people ask, we'll simply have to say it's a move of God. We're not just saying that tongue-in-cheek. It is simply a move of God, and there's no other way to explain it. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we have to study it. And thank you for the challenge that lies within it, God. God, if we're honest, we know the church that you've called us to be. You know the people that that you have called us to be. And God, it's my prayer tonight that, that not through this message, but God, that through your Spirit tonight, we'd be challenged, we'd be inspired, we'd be convicted to do whatever it takes, God, to be the church that you've called us to be. God, knowing full well that it starts in our own hearts individually. God, I pray your blessing over this time of invitation. God, would you move Would you speak to hearts? Would you have your way in Christ's name? Amen.